Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello and welcome to another amazing episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm here with my stupendous splendor for us. I don't think I've, those might be repeats, but definitely stupendous and uh, splendor for us co-host. Maria Velasquez. And I was saying earlier, I love how you start all the episodes with a in love type of introduction. And then we always end the episode fighting over who's going to win our game. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a sales and marketing relationship, me and Maria have ups and downs on every episode. And yes, I'm Gianna Whitford, one of your other co-hosts. And we are so excited to have Mark Blackmar on the show. He is VP of Marketing at Carrero. Network security. Network. No, 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 no. I had it. Carrero Network Security. Welcome that to the show, Mark. Sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So, Mark, you are not. I mean, you've been well. You've been marketer at several companies. You've been VP of marketing now for a while. A couple companies. Been in marketing, but you came into this arena in a very interesting way through a product background and I think even through a music background if I recall Ooh, correctly. If we go way back yeah oh look at you with the memory uh, I don't even know what I had for breakfast yeah so I guess I'll try to do the short version so yeah I was a music major sound recording major at University of Lowell in Massachusetts we'll just leave it at I wasn't mature enough for school. So academic probation, whole nine yards. My dad lived in the Bay Area and said, why don't you take a year off and come to California? So for a musician here, come to California and pack the car, moved out there. And um, that obviously didn't work out. But um, yeah, ended up like building computers with my friend's dad, moved back to Massachusetts, and then eventually got into IT. So actually, I came into marketing through actually as a sales engineer. And then moved into product marketing and did that for about, oh God, 10, 12 years. I was channel marketing, all kinds of goodies, focused in the ICSIOT space for a long time. And then got a product manager and then VP of marketing, then VP of marketing slash product manager, and then consultant, (laughs) and then VP of marketing. So, you know, a few things. There you go. What sort of music did you play? What was your band's name back in the day? (laughs) <laughs> I'll give you a few choice ones, other ones, best. La- so you can understand, you know, this was like late 80s, early 90s. So it was the hair band days. So some of the names we thought were cool, which I'm not going to get into now. But um, I think two of my favorite bands that I was in in California were Highwire and then this band called The Guilty. So yeah, kind of hair metal-ish. And then that last band was more Black Crowsy, Stonesy, when we finally, you know, threw out the hairspray and stopped wearing shiny clothes and actually just played music. And that's how I got here. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, you mentioned sort of your journey into marketing, and it's actually really cool to see that I am hearing that actually in a few different places where from an SE, you move into product marketing, and it feels like a really natural flow into the marketing world. How was that for you? Was it hard? Was it like a 
you know, you did great. You were made for the job. <laughs> Let's see. Getting into the job was easy. And looking back on it, because again, keep in mind that I pretty much, for all intents and purposes, never went back to college after my freshman year. So I'm a bit of a masochist. I'm like, oh, that looks challenging. I don't know how to do it. That's what I'm going to go do. And I got to a point in the SE gig where I just wanted to do something more strategic. I wanted to have more of a voice in the direction of things. And I was at a company called ArcSight. We were in the process of being acquired by HP. There's a lot of interest in me moving in there for a while. I was going to have to move to Cupertino, yada, yada. But then a buddy of mine was leaving and I was talking to him and he says, why don't you take my job? So I wrote to our VP of marketing because we, we hadn't been fully absorbed by the Borg at that point. And I said, hey, I'd like his job. And I got a two sentence response. And the second one was welcome to the team. And in hindsight, that should have been a red flag because when you have zero background in something, except like a night course at DVC, if you're from the Bay Area, it was trial by fire. But, you know, it was, it was a great team that I worked with. So it was just more, we were under such transition that it was really, really difficult. And there was a, a woman, actually, she's part of the society. So I'll call her out by name, Lisa Kroll. So, hey, Lisa. So I would go into her office. She was like my therapist when I go out to Cupertino because I didn't know the marketing terms. I knew how to sell and I knew how to message. You know, I knew how to get to the customer, but all this other stuff. I was like, what? I don't know. And I'm like, I'd walk in I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Draw me a picture. I can't figure this. I'm never going to get it. And I, I mean, I got it. So in that sense, Maria, it wasn't it wasn't easy. I got the job easily enough, but it wasn't easy. But, you know, over, t over time, you do something enough. And I, and, and I tend to be the person that I want to be perfect from the beginning. And you can't. And I had to accept the fact that now this is a learning curve. Don't. And I still struggle with that today. I was even talking about it today. So anyways, it, it took time. But, I you know, the, the thing, too, is I did work with really good people. And, you know, so, yeah, easy to get into the role long learning curve, definitely trial by fire. Love that. That's very humble of you to say it that way. My response, that, that two sentence email response, I would have had the same response. I envy any marketing team that has a super technical person within the team, not a resource from engineering that we can tap into, not a resource from the SE that we know, like full-time technical <laughs> resource for marketing. That is amazing. Oh yeah, I agree. It's not really a red. It's like half a red. It's like a, I don't know. What's before pink? Like white with like a tinge. It's like, it's actually a green pink flag because what Maria just said, like, damn, like you actually know the product and like can work the product and like no security and like no technical stuff, like joined right away. And also they had like an open seat. You said in our notes, I have our notes up from like one year ago when we booked our scoping call. It says, I ended up here because they needed warm bodies. And that was, you're describing it very humbly. I think, you know, you're way more of an asset than you're, than you're portraying, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, and I do want to be fair, like Lisa Coast, I don't know if she's part of the society, but she's awesome. She's on the brought me in. I mean, we knew each other. So it wasn't like, oh, hey, we need cannon fodder. I kind of joked that that's what it was. But it was the circumstances that we were in that was the red flag. We were going through that transition. And anyone that's ever gone through an acquisition, that's what it was. There was so much turmoil. So we had a great working relationship. You know, Lisa and I are still, Lisa Coast and I are still friends on Facebook, for example. You know, so 
that's what I'm saying. The team was really, really important. It was just, man, the circuit, what a, the acquiring company, I won't even own one of their printers. It just gives me such flashbacks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Every time you walk into your office, you're like, oh my God. I, yeah. And that uh, was that office space moment, you know, <laughs> the printer. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're out now. There's nothing with this company's name on it now. <laughs> <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> that, that's what I, I call it. HPTSD. actually. <laughs> You know, Mark, you've had a long career and you've been a bunch of places with like lots of acquisitions and like moving around and you have a wide breadth of experience at various types of companies. Can you talk a little bit more about like red flags or things that marketers should look at and consider before taking a leap? I took some time before this job. I'd gotten to the point again, I just had my 54th birthday. I think I've finally gotten a point where I can like with legitimacy say I'm too old for this shit. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just a lot of places they get you when you're young and think if they just squeeze the, the crap out of you, you know, and that you're going somewhere and it's like, nah, that's not it, man. You know, and like I was, you finally get to a point and it, one role that I had, I had this boss that was older than me, uh, younger than me and newer to the job. So the fact was, it's like, you know, you get punched in the face enough times, you don't flinch, right? So it's like, so the fact that I wasn't running around with my hair on fire, he just thought it like I was lazy. And I'm like, no, man, I've seen this a million times. I know it needs to be done. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, we got to deliver. I get it. I get it. It's not lack of concern. But I get to a point where I was like, okay, I'm on my own. I'm done. Laptop at the beach. That's, of course, the the model idea. I live in New England, you know, so as you know, it's like, <laughs> what, really? What beach are you going to go to? And then don't worry about the mosquitoes, but weather's a whole other topic. But coming here, and I'm, I swear, I don't even think my boss is going to listen, so I'm not bucking for a promotion. But what was interesting to me is I've gotten to the point where it's, number one, this role reports to CRO. So as you know, alignment is super, super important. So if you've got the same boss, sales and marketing, have to be in alignment because we have the same boss. And again, I there's a lot about her that I really like too and respect it, but knowing like, okay, we have the same boss. And the other, I look at it as the proverbial three-legged stool because it, it's marketing, sales, and product. And actually when I was going through this, I'm like, I need to talk to a product leader too because I need to know where they are with this. And because the thing is, it's like, if you can't agree on the messaging, if you can't know where the product's going. If you can't, like nothing gets chucked over the wall. So I, I think if you look at marketing and going into a place is how do those three work together? What is the communication like? What is just the, all three have to have that virtuous loop. There's constant communication. And I don't know if it's, you know, I had somebody say to me once, you know, what is it about marketing that everybody thinks they can do it? And it's one of those things where you know, there is that, there is the, the like, we tend to be, and, and I hate to say this is not a com complaint, but a maturity thing, right? We tend to be the butt of jokes, which is fine. Cause I can come up with sales jokes. I can come up with engineering jokes. That's fine when you're among your friends, right? But if there's an attitude that all three are as strategically important to one another, that to me is to go back and look. And that's why, you know, with the interviews that I had for Carrero, that's what I found. And it, that's why I was like, oh man, cause I almost didn't take the interview call. 
I'm like, why am I going to do this? You're like, I'm tired. I want to take my laptop to the lake. I don't know what you, sort of beach you guys have. You know, like I want to... I'd have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take my laptop to the plane and go to Florida and I'm done. But then you had the call and you could see what were some green flags that everybody was really aligned? Well, my first interview was with Tanya, the CRO. And I mean, it was literally like I, I, I sat down on a Monday morning, I looked at my calendar and I went, oh, man, I have an interview. I'm like, oh, really? Like, I don't even know who these people are. And, and I'm just like, oh, well, you know what? It's two hours before. I'm like, that's lame. Yeah, that's a real crap move if I cancel. So I'll take the, I'll take the call. I'm going with a good attitude, of course. And we just instantly clicked. I'm like, here's someone she was very focused friendly, energetic. She knows what she wants. She's like, we've narrowed the ICP. This is who we're going after. This is what we need to do. This is so, but too, and I don't remember if it came out of the first call, but as I'm listening to her, I'm like, this is a leader I can follow. This is somebody like, yes. And, and the fact again, that she's a CRO. So it's, it's, if we're not aligned with sales, they're going to get heads knocked together. And it was also a relatively new team. Well, you have to, sometimes it's just like, all right, you two, you know, knock it off, grow up. So, yeah, but I also, I, I don't think anybody's heads get, need to get knocked together because as I talked to people too, that was it. It was like she had a very, and has a very clear, realistic vision. Because as you know, and again, I've fallen into this too, when you're in marketing, especially, you know, when you're in a new company or, you know, say a startup and it's like, okay, dude, I was walking my dog and I ever heard my neighbor talking to a friend. That sounds like a use case for us. I think we should do what the thing that they said. And then I was in the supermarket and I ever heard this guy and I was thinking about this. That sounds like a use case too. Let's throw that on the website. And then, you know, when it, all of a sudden your ICP is like, you know, the population of Europe, it's like, yeah, you got to start segmenting. So the fact that she was Maria's like- Maria's like hysterically laughing. You're like, it, she's like got mouth covered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it hurts because it is so true. It it's hurts. It's true. It's true. So I'm just going to give a shout out now for the next conference, because when I was in Arlington, I was sitting there, not only, you know, is it great to be amongst, you know, other marketers and, and nerd out on marketing stuff. I'm like, I don't know if this is a conference or group therapy. Like it's a support group. And it was, if nobody's been, I highly recommend going, but also too, to know that other people are facing the same struggles. So I know when I'm talking about our ICP is Denmark, <laughs> or ICP is the Northern Hemisphere. You know, it's, it's hard to dial it back in, but that's what you have to do realistically. And we're, we're not a large company. We don't have billions of dollars. So you have to focus. And so that she was so laser focused on, you know, in realistic, this is what we're doing. This is the plan. Yes. Like let's win in a space and then move on to the next one. Let's pick the one, let's take the sales team, let's put two ICPs in front of them. We'll say, you can only choose one. This is Saw, the movie or whatever. I don't know, I don't watch horror movies. But you know, it's like, you can choose one. Which one? Let's look at our data. Let's look at our actual existing customers. Oh wow, we have a lot of traction in uh, street sweeping companies. Let's go and focus on that and win over and over again and then next, quarter or three quarters or next year, let's then focus on aquariums. You know, like let's, there's only so much marketing at small companies can do. If you're a one person or a three person team, it's like, you're going to go to do everything and do it all poorly and fail. Or let's just get aligned, everybody. Let's pick one thing and let's do it. I'm like on a soapbox. I also think that, I think that a lot of marketers do want this. 
And I think that if we just had a little bit more support from leadership to focus like this, then it would actually happen. But, you know, a lot of times you have leadership having way too much anxiety about leaving out the right market or leaving out the right industry or leaving out the right ICP. I was just going to say, because it's, it's, you know, especially tempting, I think, in smaller companies. I understand why it's when you look at, say, a CRM cleanup. I've seen this enough times, like, oh, we have 250,000 contacts in the CRM. We've got, you know, 18,000 rejected emails and we get you know, this many unsubscribed and this many duplicate. So you say, all right, I'm going to whack the crap out of this to what we know works. Like, oh my God, what if one of those people like, yeah, well, guess what? You know, you're losing to 150,000. And then, you know, God, they now some, oh, we got a GDPR camp complaint because, you know, it, it's just, but it takes the discipline, I think, and the understanding to go, look, if we don't, we, we've got to get to what's meaningful and really cut things out. And when you are a smaller company, you have to be, ruthless sounds negative, you just have to be very, very decisive and go, that is not working. Let's stop spending the energy on it and do what works and then build on that success. But again, it takes that alignment of sales and marketing and let maybe product to a lesser extent on that conversation. But again, it's that, I think it's a maturity and a realism that has to be there to just say, no, we're getting nowhere. And now we're going to make a change. I think it's, we're all digital hoarders, the CRM, the deals, the customers, the events, like Everyone wants to do everything because people get excited. And then, especially with that CRM cleanup comment, right? Like, hey, let's like delete all these contacts that are in these other industries. Let's focus. Let's target. Let's be like really niched, whatever, down. It's like, oh, but I don't want to delete those because what if? And it's like, it's just, I don't know. We all need KonMari. Are you guys remember that? Is it KonMari? The KonMari method of cleaning your house? Delight Minar... Oh, God. Someone please send us an email. You know what it is. It's like the magic of tidying up. Like, is it like something like feng shui? It's like a woman and she like advocates like hugging your objects and then letting them go. Like you hug them and then you say thank you and you say goodbye. So every single bullshit contact in Salesforce, you can like give it a hug and like let it go. <laughs> See, Mark, yeah, you were that's right. very positive. You were right about this being a like group therapy session because <laughs> look at what we're doing. <laughs> we're hugging it out. We're hugging out our problem. And I'm also laughing too, because I don't know if I know we're all on we're on video here, so I don't know if any of this is gonna go out. But when you talk about yeah, well good, because the clutter is all I know where my camera goes. So it looks nice and neat. It's just window dressing. Maria, you know what Mark needs? He needs a desk fence. <laughs> oh my desk God. fence. It's a fence for desks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like Maria's rolling. Everyone will see who's watching this on video, rolling her eyes. Desk fence is the newest creation by the Cybersecurity Marketing Society. It is a fence that wraps around your desk so that when you put too much stuff on your desk, it doesn't fall off on the floor. It just gets... He's literally looking around like, oh, this actually could be a great use case. <laughs> Why attend Cyber Marketing Con 2023 in downtown Austin, Texas this year from December 10th through 13th. Well, there's going to be keynotes, panels, and workshops from real marketers working in the cybersecurity industry right now. 
from companies like Recorded Future, Google, Eureka Cyber, NetSpy, and plenty more. Plus, we'll have the best connections and networking of your career. Get your ticket before the pricing goes up on October 1st. Check out more about the conference at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com backslash conference 2023. Can't wait to see you there. So Mark, any other red flags or green flags that you've come across that would be useful for us, you know, given your illustrious and experienced career? Here's the other thing. And, and I don't know that you can figure this out in an interview, you know, in a job interview, but one of the things too, that I really like getting, so we have something coming and I pushed very hard to not have this asset go out. This is going to be very big for us. And I was consulting in March and it was like, oh, we're going to release this March 31st. And like, no, 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 no. You got RSA coming. You've got the, the further we go into that, there's no campaign around it. There's no promotion. You need PR. And you could tell it was something that was a very, I'm not touchy because people here aren't touchy, which is weird, but I like, but this is where I'm going. So th there was definitely a desire to get this thing out. I got questioned a lot and they were all good questions, but the thing was we had rational business driven discussions. And so there was nothing that was out of bounds. There was nothing that was so sensitive that we couldn't discuss it. It was never the, well, we've always done it this way. Like, I haven't heard that once. So you're dealing with people. So it, I kind of sit here and go, where have you people been all my life? Because it's a very mature organization. And so that, but I, I don't know how you find that out in an interview. I guess maybe, you know what? You know what I'd say? When that little voice, my little red light's never wrong. I just choose to ignore it. That's the thing. It's like, but it's like dating. Oh, but I can change that. For, no, you can't. You cannot change that person. If you do not like that characteristic, you either live with it or you move on. And it, I think that's the thing, I guess I'd say in any interview is there's, there's a tickle in the back of my head. There's a, well, if I just convince them, well, maybe if, if I spend enough time and show them enough data, we'll get there. Mm -mm. And if you can walk away, walk away. I mean, it's, it's some people you get into a, what do you call it? You, you know, just maybe financially, you can't do that. I've been in positions where I, I just didn't have that as an opportunity, but there are times where if you can do it, sometimes it's better to walk away, whether you're, it's an employer or it's an interview and go, you know, this isn't the right one because usually the little red lights going off for a reason. And I've ignored it enough times to go, wow, you know, that was actually <laughs> probably should have paid attention to that. So I guess that maybe that's what I'd narrow it down to. Cause you don't always know what people are like, but if the little red lights going off, heed the light. That is so true. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to get those signals early on, definitely listen to them. But like you said, you should be okay to walk away. I think there is a little bit of, not ego, but a sense of determination as marketers, you know, going into a new job and wanting to make it work and wanting to make your impact. And if you end up in the wrong place and you don't get a chance to actually do that, walking away can be pretty bitter, feeling like, you know, there is an unfinished job somewhere. The more you grow in your career, the more experience you get. I think the stronger you can be in making those really bitter decisions. Yeah, you know, there was, um, and I saw the topic come up in Slack, in the Society of Slack, and it was very similar. So one of the interviews, I every now and then I'd take an interview and kind of go, okay, this sounds interesting. And I talked to the recruiter and I'm like, man, because I'm all about the culture. That's the first thing for me. And it has been for several years. That's how I went to SourceFire, for example. It, like after that, 
first acquisition experience. And of course, I go to Sourcefire going, I am never working for a large corporation again. Five months later, Cisco acquires Sourcefire. (laughs) 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 So never say never either. But Cisco is a great experience. But anyways, one of the things I was looking at was, yeah, I had this interview really like I was totally into the recruiter, in-house recruiter. We're talking culture, yada, yada. We, we had this long conversation. Um, he had to take another call, call me back so we could talk more. I'm like, wow, this is wow. And then I had an interview with one of the C-suite and then they sent me a homework assignment. And it was like, document the funnel with graphics and what you would do at each stage. And like, basically come up with our entire marketing plan. And there's that part of me going, wow, man, that like that first conversation was so cool. I really wanted to work there and it seemed like they were doing something cool, at least initially. And I took a few days and I even went to some friends. The little red light was like, walk away now, just walk away. And, but there was that part of me like, do I do that? Do I want to do it? I'm, I'm trying to work for myself here. And yeah, yeah, I pulled the plug. And it was weird because I just happened to see that thread in there. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I would never ask anybody to do that. And the thought was, it's like, if you think this is okay in an interview, what are you going to be like to work for? Like, man, you just cross so many lines. But of course, I'm doubting myself. Am I being oversensitive? And it's like, no, 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 this is, no, it's not cool. So it's just one of those things, but it, it happened. I've, and I was very proud of myself for going, and I, I sent the, the CEO a note and said, I don't think this is going to be a fit, but thank you. I also wanted a couple of days because I needed to be a little more diplomatic about it. But, and then this opportunity came up. So again, it's, you know, I don't mean to get in that whole cheesy and then another door opened, but you know, I even still was doubting myself. All the red flags were going off and it was, I was still doubting myself. So it's, it's, I think it's important to still have that know when it's wrong. And I just couldn't go into another situation like that. So you mentioned acquisition, and uh, this is one of the things that Gianna mentioned across your career. What is some advice for marketers, either getting gobbled up by a big one like Cisco, or it's just a smaller scale? Yeah. So when I I went from ArcSight to HP, I mean, I was number 200 and something when I joined ArcSight, and there were 500 of us when HP acquired us. At the time, had 350,000. So... And they really didn't know security. That was a new new acquisition to them. And so you're, you're trying to fit in and find your places. And, and it's like such culture shock when you get into it. But you network and you get to know people. And then, like I said, I did leave there. And I told you the source fire. And it was crazy because we're 500 people. I mean, the, like the parallels between Sourcefire and ArcSight at acquisition, like they were saying all the same things and I'm having flashbacks. I literally had nightmares for a week when I first read the news because the last one was so bad. And it, it finally clicked. I'm like, look, it takes a year to even figure out once you get in there. It takes time. I you know, worked with great people at Sourcefire. So I was like, you know what? Let's just give it a shot. It's not like John Chambers is going to call me and ask for my advice. So Let's see how this thing goes. And it turned out to be a great opportunity. So I think in both cases, it's about networking, get to know the people that are within the acquiring company, get to learn what you can. And again, you know, you kind of assess, is is this the right place for me? Because one wasn't, one was, you know, I really like, really enjoyed Cisco most of the time. But again, you get 75,000 people, not everybody gets along. That And that's part of it too, is you can't judge the whole company on it. But I mean, I actually had the same reporting structure for like two years 
So it was crazy. It was just because nobody messed with us. But you see things too. Like I'll say this, what Cisco was doing for a while is the source fire. They had the, the security group, source fire leadership. You know, we took leadership roles in marketing and sales. And then when, when they acquired OpenDNS, those people moved in because we were already four years in and established. So for a while, there was this fresh turnover. So it, it kept things interesting. But I think when you go into it, number one, you assess how they do. And go on, but I think networking because I talked to a lot of people within Cisco. I was in kind of a unique situation too, where I was the IoT or Jen. I know you're out there rolling your eyes, but ICS for those in the know. And I was talking about Van Antwerp because hi Jen, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> hi Jen. You know, but it's the ICS world. But outside the ICS world, it's IoT. But anyways, you know, I had I was ICS security, and so. I had people getting in touch with me in Cisco before I even got there because we needed it. So it was very interesting. And I worked cross business unit for a long time, but yeah, get to know people, get to network, be open to the things that are going to change because there are some positives that can come from it. You can learn from it and take the advantage to learn and maybe grow within the organization. Amazing. I think being really um, wanted helps. I think it sounds like they needed IoT security and what you were providing and what SourceFire was providing, Mark. So that didn't hurt. You know, they acquired you guys for a reason. And then meeting with folks and just being open to the winds of the big org, because that's the thing. At the big orgs, I was at IBM, things change. They change a lot, actually. They don't necessarily change for the better, but they change and restructures things like that. One more comment before we get into our game. I think I wanted to just say from our perspective as the founders of the society and uh, as people who have been through that, do a test interview because both Maria and I have done that sort of thing. I operate in life as if everything's negotiable. So if you want me to do a test, maybe you're going to pay me a lot. Maybe I'm not going to do the test that you want. I'm going to do my own test. I'm going to do like a little here, you know, and send that over and say, this is not appropriate. Or I say, no, ding, 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 red flag. Goodbye. Or here's my hourly rate. I, oh man, I could have made money off that. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> and Maria, do you have any advice too? <laughs> I actually don't because I, I did once do that for an interview process and presented an entire 30, 60, 90 day plan, which then got me the job. <laughs> oh. So there you go. It's not uh, one size fits all. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I get it. I get it. Like, I guess I, hoping that the intentions are right and hoping that they only are asking for that just to know that I can do the job versus stealing it because that's silly. I mean, you would just... With a simple Google search, you can find plenty of blogs that give you plenty of templates for go-to-market plans and templates and strategies. Like, why do you need to put someone through all of that if, you know, the intention is not to hire them? But Can I make a comment? I think, you know, adjusting to new places, and hopefully this doesn't sound too self-centered, you know, I, professional ADHD, as well as the biological kind, in case you couldn't have noticed, in case it wasn't clear by now, but... You know, that's that's one thing I I will say for myself that I always challenge myself when I'm not comfortable. Like when I was at ArcSight, we were small enough that, you know, Latin America was part of the West region and it became part of the East region. And they said, we need an SE for Latin America. I'm like, wow, I do not speak Spanish. I'll go do it. And so I hired a Spanish tutor and I would travel down. Oh my and, God. And go to, oh Yeah. <laughs> 
So I covered Latin America. We could have done this episode in Spanish. Hablas español, Mark? Yeah. Un poquito. Oh my God, that's exactly. Mi español es muy malo. Oh no. I love the idea of you just going to like Colombia and being like, mi español es muy poquito. Network hardware. (laughs) Well, you know, so I did that at at ArcSight, but it also led to stuff at Cisco. I mean, I was going to, and because I get into the I, ICS stuff, that was, I, I went to SourceFire, PMM. They didn't have a vertical PMM. So I'm like, all right, we'll do it. And when I was at ArcSight, we just thought if you said SCADA a lot, that was... That's your keyword. I was disabused of that very quickly when I went to SourceFire, but because I was working with a group out of Spain. So they were like, when are you getting an apartment in Madrid? So, but they covered all the Spanish speaking world. So I was going down a Latin America for that. I, I went to Costa Rica on two days notice because they're like, look, we need representatives. There's this government thing. And I ended up presenting on standing up security programs because I had a nonprofit for many years to teach kids about security. And then the same thing. So it's like, like right now I am all AI and it just clicked last Thursday. Right. And so we are just bringing as much as we can into this little org. So I would say, you know, when you go in, especially if you're in acquisition, man, push yourself. Get out of that comfort zone. Do the things that are hard. If it's like, I, I like for me, it's a, a pathology. You know, I, I do sit there and go, why can't I just like get a hobby like normal people? Why do I, why am I doing this? But I think that's been very helpful too, is to go, I don't know how to do that. Like that's how we're going to marketing. Like that looks cool. I read a book once. All right, let's jump in. And I mean, it was stressful. And, and again, I'm like, why couldn't I just, why can't I just be happy where I was? But I think that's a key anywhere is just to keep pushing yourself and learn something new and just go, oh my God, that scares the crap out of me. I'm doing it. (laughs) Go speak, go be on the podcast, take on a new thing at work that you don't know how to do. Go talk to the security people. They're scary. You could talk to them though, you know, do all that. So let's, it is time for our game. So the game is, we are going to guess what you'd be doing if you were not in like a band or marketing or product. And of course, Mark, you would be on a surfboard as like someone who is a surf instructor for other people. And that's my guess. Maria, what's your guess? Yeah, I sense there's a travel bug in there for sure. (laughs) Oh, it's a big bug. It is a big bug. (laughs) So I wonder if maybe you'd be doing something like travel experiences, like you would own some sort of business that would, not like a travel guide, but maybe like encompassing an entire experience, something like that. Wow, that's scary. So my partner, Michelle and I, so we're already like, we love to travel. It's I, when I was a little kid, I had a globe, like my prized possession was a globe and I'd look at things like, what's that place like? What's that place like? It's like, oh, we need you to fly there. I I took a POC in Abu Dhabi on two day notice. They put an email out on Wednesday, said, who can be in Abu Dhabi for POC? I said, I'll do it when? Well, you fly Friday. Okay, I'll go. We need somebody to do a POC in Sydney for two weeks. Okay, I'll go. You know, whatever. It's like it, it's like wagging a, a stick in front of a dog. You know, it's just I can't. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll go do it. But it, it's funny because our happy place is on Tortola in the BVI. Just awesome, awesome place. And so, yeah, so we've talked about like, could we do an early retirement? And I said, I would love to be a travel writer. 
and just go and write. And that's Maria, why that was scary. Now, Jana, what was what's scary about what you mentioned is, so we were in Tortola in January, because this is what happened. Michelle's like, we got to go, we got to go. And I'm like, look, I quit my job. This is not a layoff where I get a package. I'm like, the paycheck ends and you want to go on vacation. She goes, look, you're going to get a job. I'm never going to see you again, as usual, even though we work in the same house, right? Like we have offices in, in the house, but we were on Tortola. Now, here's the thing is I never, I didn't learn to swim until I was like 50. So I had this fear and I'm still not great, but at least I can forestall drowning for longer than I could. I'm assuming because I've, I've never drown. So what had happened is, so we're on this place and you look it up, Josiah's, Josiah's beach, Josiah's Bay. And there's a surf school there and I'm sitting there and just reading a book, whatever. And talking to the guy, Steve, that owns the thing. And, and this like 10 year old girl comes up and he's showing her how to do stuff on the sand. And I'm watching. And like that kid in no time, I look up and she's surfing. I'm like, oh, come on. Now I've tried surfing once. It was at, at uh, Bondi beach in Australia. It was not pretty like I can't even lay on the surfboard I roll right over and I'm off of it and it was it was a disaster I thought well maybe with the proper instruction but I will say this I didn't get back there I'm like I'm doing it I I'm absolutely doing it I'm going to get on there and I'm going to surf and so we're talking about going back in November and I'm like I am going to that surf school so it's wild that you both Picked out those two things. That's like, I'm going to ask you for lottery numbers next. Okay. It's five, 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 five. Who's more right? I'd have to say Maria's spot on. Well, Maria's spot on because I've kept talking about that would be my dream is travel writer. But I, but I do fully intend to surf. That's great. But Maria's incredibly vague. Travel something wins. <laughs> you see how we end the episode? We end it on very friendly mode. All the time. You cast a wide net. You're like a traveling uh, experience is something. No, because I said that because I see you're an entrepreneur, right? You've, you've done many things on your own, built businesses. So I didn't want to say you're just going to be some travel guide on a, on a <laughs> double-decker bus with a microphone. I feel like I wanted to give you more of a, you know. Mark could totally be on a double-decker bus with a microphone, though. I see it, too. You'd be good at that, actually. <laughs> I know we only have X amount of time and I don't want to kill the audience, but those all appeal to me actually. And I get, M Michelle and I were just talking about this the other day, like, could we find somewhere we like, like what, go to Tortola and could we do not the typical, like, you know, that's not how we like to travel, man. Like you got to see Tortola is it's, there are no resorts. Like the locals always say it's not for everybody and it's not. And it's, you just have this total Island vibe. It's totally chill. It's super scary roads, but you know, you got to look, look up Nigel's boom, boom beach bar, look that up. And then you go, we spend days there and I don't even drink. I don't even drink. I do the ring toss. I am so good. I can do behind my back, around the pole. I mean, it's like, so if this marketing thing doesn't work out, ring toss coach on Tortola. The possibilities are endless. The future is bright. <laughs> All right. Well, Mark, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or Carrera Networks or ring toss? I, you just find me on LinkedIn. I think that's probably the easiest place. Perfect. We'll be linking to that in the show notes. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing, where we talk about marketing and cyber, but also all sorts of other crazy things. If you have an idea for an episode, send us a note at hey there at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. Leave a five-star review for us. Give us a comment. We want to hear your feedback and your ideas. And as always, catch us 
on Wednesdays, mostly Wednesdays. Catch us on Wednesdays on a podcast network or platform near you. Thank you so much again for being on. Thanks for listening. Thank you. See ya.